Hey, it's Gory Corey. I'm currently working on a new horror anthology called Welcome Week with Screenager Productions, the minds behind Satan's Servant. We're making a film about the horrors of college, and we're bringing together college-age film students from all over the world to work on it. We're currently fundraising on Indiegogo and would really appreciate your support. Whether it's sharing or donating, anything helps. Thank you so much, and if you'd like to learn more, you can find us on Indiegogo at Welcome Week, or you can visit my blog, GoryCory.com. Thanks. As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay, and I'm excited to welcome to the show Matt Bledsoe, host of the Film Feast podcast. Matt, welcome to Filmstrip. Tell folks a little bit about yourself and your show. Well, Jay, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, so, yes, I host the Film Feast podcast, which, uh, you know, there are many movie podcasts out there. But <laughs> it, uh, uh, we just have conversations every week. Uh, episodes come out weekly on Mondays. And every week is a different guest and me talking about usually a different movie or a whole topic or lists or things like that. And just talking movies, very conversational, very loose. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just fun for me because I needed an outlet to talk about movies with people who really love movies. And I found so many great people through social media. And they're happy, nice to meet guests on my show. Like you've been a guest and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's a blast. So yeah, it's just a fun time talking about movies. We try to be positive most of the time uh, mm-hmm. over there. So yeah, it's really nothing too too fancy. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, no, I really enjoy the show. And like I said, I had a chance to be on your Unscottable series where you're doing Tony Scott movies. I think we talked about Envy of the State, which was a lot of fun. But we, we talked about a lot more than that in that show. But you've had <laughs> Carmelita Valdez-McCoy, who's been on our show several times on yours and several others. And so uh, just, a, just a fun time. and glad to have you here to talk about Blade, starring Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, Inbush Wright, Donnell Logue and Chris Christopherson, based on the Marvel comic by Marv Wolfman and Gene Cullen, written by David S. Gorier and directed by Stephen Norrington, released in 1998 on a $45 million budget, grossed over $131 million at the box office. Definitely a cult classic. And as is generally the rule here with the guests first time, you picked it. So, Matt, what's your background with Blade? Oh, man, Jay, I love Blade so much. It's probably like a top 25 all-time movie for me. And I know I've seen better movies, but no few movies mean more to me than Blade. Because I saw Blade mm-hmm. in, in the theaters in 98 when I was just being allowed to see rated R movies. I was, I can't remember exactly what month it came out, but I was either 10 or 11 when it came out. And mm-hmm. uh, I, it was one of the first R movies I've seen in a, mo- in a movie theater. And I thought it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like I was just like, movies will not get cooler than this. And a year later, I saw The Matrix and I walked out and said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But <laughs> um, at that point, I was just blown away by Blade. Um, it was one of the first DVDs. Actually, it was one of the first three DVDs I ever bought. It was the That. X-Men from 2000 and the matrix, which is a pretty good. That's a great collection right there. Yeah. Good way to start (laughs) off on DVDs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I watched it obsessively. I throw it on. I put on the commentary. (laughs) I put it on just, I, this and blade two, I've watched so many times and I just watched it 
nonstop. I don't know. I think it was just the style of it. Um, I love Blade as a character. He's like one of the coolest characters ever. And Wesley Snipes pulls it off like so effortlessly. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's guys sometimes that you watch trying to be action stars and they're just not convincing. And Wesley Snipes is so convincing. <laughs> it's yeah. Blade. It's like um, it's amazing. And yeah, so a movie that I've seen I countless times since it came out. I don't even know. And I just it's very near and dear to my heart. I really love it. <laughs> That's awesome. I I mean, I remember when this came out because at that point I was in the latter stages of college, but I'd become a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So anything vampire I was into and I was like, Ninja Vampires, Wesley Snipes, sweet, you know, because I I like Wesley. I'd seen him in a lot of stuff, you know, and I thought, okay, yeah, this looks kind of cool. What's Chris Christopherson doing there? Oh, just being a weird old man again. So, all right, I'm down. And I didn't know anything else. uh, Steven Dorff is a face that I've known through the years, but I didn't really know him from anything at that point. And I didn't know this was a conversation thing at all i paid no attention to any of that that's not really a big part of my pop culture lexicon other than like the mainstay like superhero stuff and so I, I didn't know anything about it i went and saw it in the theater and i was like this is freaking cool like all this <laughs> blood and you know gore and action flying around you had the i mean it's definitely got the the late 90s early 2000s techno meets uh steampunk new metal soundtrack going on you got all of that and I, I was i was just down for the aesthetic i was like man this is cool and it had such quotable lines and you know motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill i i use versions of that at work i usually censor it uh but uh yeah but i mean i talk about it. i use it all the time like, it's a great line and i i just i loved all of it but i didn't know anything else about it didn't really follow it beyond just you know seeing it that that one time in theaters i think it came on like cable or something i'd watch it again but didn't pay any attention to it. When the sequels came out, I rented Blade 2. I didn't see it in the theaters. I liked it. I've only seen Blade Trinity once, and that's probably once too many times. I'm not a big fan of that one. Don't, don't really love it. Oh. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, got its, it's got its issues, I understand. But but this movie, though, picked off in a, in a big way because it's, it's hard to think about late 90s anything to do with vampires and it kind of always goes back for me to buffy but this was a year right after that and this and the comic of course predates it but i remember when they made this like a spike tv show for a while and stuff and i watched that i was like wow i watched a few episodes of it i thought it was pretty good i mean it lent itself well to the format and this was years before marvel got their tv properties together at all so you imagine now if they they could do that again (laughs) like that would be great i understand they're trying but but yeah that's my background with this didn't know much more about it and and haven't revisited it a lot so when you brought it up i said you know what yeah that one's kind of missing in the the film strip lexicon here it'd be a good one to do it's a great way to kick off shocktober we're trying to do a another sort of random set of of stuff here for for the october month and i thought yeah we we need like a good action slash horror movie i don't know how horrific this is more than it's got a lot of gore in it and it's a horror character but it's definitely an action movie that's for sure Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never really thought it was a horror movie. It has horror beats, but it's not mm-hmm. uh, like the part when uh, Mbouche Wright is down in that kind of cave with her former co-worker and the Donald Logue stuff when he's completely burned from head to toe is like yeah. kind of a horrifying image. But that's yeah. a great jump scare when he mm-hmm. pops up off the table. I remember people like jumping out of their seats in the theater even. Um, so it has horror beats, but I mean, it's just 
so cool. <laughs> it's just so it's so mm-hmm. action heavy and like uh, hard to feel scared when Wesley Snipes around kicking the crap out of vampires. I know, right? Like, yeah, he <laughs> he does bring the ease into the room a little bit because he is just so he's so cool. He's kind of the modern day Richard Roundtree, you know, Shaft type character mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I've always kind of felt like Wesley, if he hadn't had his tax problems, would have had a totally different career than what yeah. he's had uh, and stuff. But I mean, a really good action star. I've never seen him in something where I thought he gave a bad performance. He hasn't always been in great movies, but I always felt like he gave something every time he hit a role even if he was just being his kind of disassociated flat self uh, late trinity might have some words about his performance i will I, yeah I, I, as i would say i think i think he was mailing that in about as oh, hard as they could but yeah uh, you heard the story about him refusing to like open his eyes and yeah the cgi the eyes yeah those those are some oh. the only more horrific cgi's are the the kid in the twilight movies that they do like oh, that's God. literally those are horrendous eyes, but otherwise, uh, yeah, that, this holds up some bad eyes. But no, I, I, I'm I'm glad we're able to talk about it here. I'm going to jump through a plot summary real quick that we get into the movie. So, Blade, played by Wesley Snipes, obviously, is a daywalker, a vampire human hybrid that allows him to operate in day and night with all the strength of it of his vampire foes that he fights, uh, but he also has to fight the urges they have as well. So he and his compatriot Whistler, played by Chris Christopherson, are waging a war against the vampires using weapons based around their creatures historic weaknesses of sunlight silver and garlic one of those i did not realize was a vampire weakness we'll get into that (laughs) so when hematologist karen jensen is attacked by a vampire at a hospital blade takes her to receive care from whistler and meanwhile the vampire world is dealing with its own internal power struggle between the council of pure blood elders and the younger vampires led by a vamp named frost played by stephen dorf who's trying to incite a war with the humans Frost intends to use a ritual to summon the blood god Lamagra using the blood of the elders. And Karen discovers a vaccine that can cure those bitten by vampires, but will also destroy already turned vamps, which makes which will make a powerful weapon and maybe even a cure for Blade's thirst. Frost and his gang attack. Whistler's infected. Karen's abducted. And after helping Whistler die, Blade goes on the attack, but is shocked to find that his mother, who he thought died at giving birth to him, was still alive. Uh, and it was Frost who bit her in the first place. Blade is subdued and drained of blood as part of Frost's ritual. Karen allows Blade to drink from her, though, which quickly speeds up his recovery. Blade uh, blows through the vampire minions and uh, even dispatches his own mother in the attack. Frost completes the ritual and assumes the power of Labagra, and he and uh, Blade face off with Blade injecting all of Karen's synthesized vaccine into Frost, causing him to explode. And Blade asks Karen to refine the serum, not for his cure, but so he can continue his crusade against the vampires as credits roll. That's the, the through line of the movie. A lot more goes on. We can get into it as we go, but I got to say, I I love how this movie dumps us right into the opening of this, you know, pregnant woman going into labor. Obviously, something bad's going on. She's got the, quote, unknown infection. We know immediately, like, oh, yeah, she's been bitten by a vampire. And they're going to play with something here that I see played in other vampire lore is that not only getting bitten by a vampire where they drain your blood does something, but there's like a venom side of it, too, that infects your, your body, your system. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I I always think there's like more. To, I always think it opens with the like blood club kind of scene. And I forget the little. It's very quick with him and the mm-hmm. thing with his mom, and they don't give you much. I love this is a hero origin story that is so light on the typical like origin story beats. It's like you're yeah. just kind of with Blade as like a fully formed character, and they basically give you like yeah, his mom was bitten. He was when she was pregnant with him. Boom, and then you're kind of caught up. You don't need much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they do a lot of stuff that's interesting with vampire lore too. Like you mentioned, they bring in silver, which I'd always associated with 
werewolves yeah and now i just totally buy that with i was on board i was like sure silver great and like it's a uh, you mm-hmm. know fun never, never heard that in my life about vampires but after blade i was like yeah yeah silver um and yeah the thirst and the 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 venom and like how there's just all this stuff I mean, like the whole thing with like there's pure blood vampires and then there's the ones that were turned and like i could imagine if vampires are real pure bloods would look down on the ones that were like turn it's like it's like almost like being born into money versus becoming rich i feel like or something you know it's right like, it's like well i was born into this well that you know it's like so i can imagine there would be a real we'll get into i love all the vampire world stuff it's so fascinating <laughs> yeah that's what's interesting here is, is, is we, we can jump into it with the bad guys here in this and really steven dorf as as frost he's leading like this youth insurrection against the right. old guard it's it's almost like um you know, the, the younger members of the company really <laughs> trying to push the old ones out of the way so they can <laughs> they can run things. And I don't know, you know, as, as, when I saw this in 1998, again, I'm Gen X. I'm, I'm totally disaffected by everything anyway, by nature. And so I'm watching this. And I'm going like, yeah, man, forget the man. I'm kind of on Frost's side. I'm like, I don't give a dang who these old people are. Like, who don't care? You can die. Like, whatever. Go away. Which I I didn't throw him in the in the intro, but that is a great drop of him just showing up in, in this as one of the elders that gets gets whacked early. And um, I don't know. I, I really dug it. And I dug that the, the motivation for, for Frost is I'm going to start a war with the people because I need like an endless supply of blood because I'm building this big vampire army because I'm tired of skulking around in the shadows. There's no reason for us to do that. We have all this power. Let's use it versus, you know, no, we need to be calm. It's almost a little bit of the riff that Mike Myers takes in the Austin Powers movies with Dr. Evil and his son. It's almost like, no, we're going to let, we're going to let Scott evil go like, no, let's just shoot him. Let's get the gun. We'll just shoot him. You know? And and I feel like um, the, the elders are playing the Dr. Evil. Like, no, you have to do it. You know, a certain, way and it, it, but it's neat that that has like it has nothing to do with blade or what's going on they didn't even care about him he <laughs> brings the problem to them and they're like who is this like this is not what i i'm trying to do something else over here man and i i think that's neat though and it's also a gamble because when you're doing origin story right that you got to give them like a villain to work off of immediately and it's almost like blade goes and picks his villain like, like no i'm gonna go pick my problem and then then it's gonna be you know a problem and i i, I found that story beat to be interesting and i don't know how well that relates to what the comic origin is but i I think it's a great tone for this movie yeah also i should mention because you brought it up too i have i had like no history of the comics i knew blade was Mm -hmm. a character in marvel comics but Mm -hmm. i mean this was late 90s and i don't anyone i think is probably lying to you if they were saying like i was a huge blade comic book fan (laughs) like he's a b-level character at that time i i knew him more from there was a 90s spider-man cartoon show that i was a big fan of that he kind of popped up on that a few times that's how i was like I had a big like Marvel encyclopedia of like all their characters and I would like read it obsessively and like I would know characters but never read their actual books. So it was like yeah. I knew about people and then go, oh, there they are. But like, yeah, just the history of Blade being very obscure and then they, he's this big movie. But um, yeah, and then back to what you were saying about the the whole kind of plots kind of converging here because Blade obviously is hunting vampires and kind of, yeah, they're they're having their own power struggle and uh you know, but then I guess eventually it does kind of they need him because they need Daywalker's blood yeah. to to get Lamagra back, basically. But it is kind of funny how it all kind of converges, like you said, like they're he's doing his own thing. And then Blade just like inserts himself into it because he's trying to kill vampires. <laughs> and the way he does is through what, what I also would remember as the opening scene of this movie is that rave club where the sprinklers opened up and. 
I've been to a few rave clubs back in the day, many, many days ago. <laughs> and I remember like, you know, it was always like some, some kind of gimmick, right? It was going to be foam. It was going to be water, you know, whatever. But I'm watching this, I'm watching the music pulse and all this stuff. And they, they start dropping the blood. And I'm like, Oh, most of these people don't realize they they are the meal, you know, and then you know, all hell starts breaking loose. And then blade comes in and, Talk about an awesome action sequence. And I mean, I know Wesley Snipes is known for his stunt work and his martial arts, and he's incredible here. And the just the the cinematography and the stunt work here is fantastic. Like I had forgotten how fun it is and how cool it is to watch him just blow through this club of vampires here. Yes, I'm so glad you brought this up. I could spend like conservatively two hours talking about the opening of this movie because mm-hmm. this is one of the best character introductions you could ever hope to have for your big action hero. I think it's it's one of my favorite openings to a movie ever. I know there's a little a couple things beforehand, but this really is like the opening in the blood club. And like mm-hmm. the buildup is so great. That music, that like techno score is still stuck in my head to this day. Like the doom. Doo, doo, doo. And yep. like, and I think it's like, it seems like there's one human guy in this couple amongst vampires, which is a terrifying scenario. This guy got taken there. And then how the sea, the clap, the crowd parts and blade is standing there. And you're like, holy shit, who is this? And then, some idiot challenges him. It was like Daywalker, and then just go. And then he just starts wrecking people. It's like, as again, ten year old me was like losing his mind because it was the right. coolest thing I'd ever seen. Um, just because you could imagine this guy could take on like fifty people with no problem. <laughs> and, well, it immediately establishes that he's got all the supernatural abilities of yeah. the vampires, but he's obviously fighting on not their side. Right. And when he breaks out that sword, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, I was like, oh, yeah. I remember that the sword was a big part of it. Obviously, Blade, the name. But I forgot how cool it looked because it reminds me so much of Highlander sword, that, oh, that yeah, yeah. Japanese sword, which is actually, I think, Connery's sword in, in the movie that he, he inherits. But I, I love that blade and the way it looks. And I, I just love everything about it. And again, how he he just tears through these things. And it it's also neat, too, that the vampires, again, are not really waging a war with him, but they are acutely aware of what he is the minute he walks in the door. So you set up a world without having to do a ton of dialogue. And that's a hard thing to do. This movie's two hours long. But if it was made today, Matt, it would be two hours and 45 minutes. They would spend <laughs> so much time setting all this up. And I love how they just, just let it be told through the visuals here. that Like, they know who he is. They call him a name. You're going to learn what that is later. And clearly, like, they could sense him, smell him, whatever. They know, like, that is not uh, one of ours. And that's also not bait. So why are you here? And and he, again, he just goes through them like he's cutting through butter, and it's <laughs> it's awesome. I, I, I do Amazing. I love a great great fight scene like that, and it's hard to do fight scenes in crowds. You know, yeah. I'm, I've seen it done a few times really well. Michael Mann does a great version of this in the club scene in Collateral. If you've ever seen oh that, God. I love yeah. that club scene Collateral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise <laughs> just kicks so much ass in that scene, and th- this is very similar to that. I'm like, yeah, this this feels very much in that same vein, that kind of kind of stuff. It's hard to do that and make it work, but uh, and I don't know Stephen Norrington from a whole lot of anything else, but what a what a great job directing something very complicated right at the beginning of the movie. You know, and I know he used to work with like Stan Winston and stuff. Like like that but i don't know his his uh work that much he doesn't have many actual director credits no uh, and i think before this even and and i i think yeah after this i don't know what he does. i don't think there's anything between i can't remember he does uh the notorious bomb league of extraordinary gentlemen yes. uh which the theater was not as good as blade uh and that yeah never as far as i could tell like never really worked again maybe directed like maybe a tv show or thing here and there i can't remember but um yeah 
but Blade, you would think he's a super talented guy. And not to say he's not a talented guy, but like, um, I wish he had, had done more movies because, um, yeah, I mean, he directs the shit out of Blade. Like, and that's what like you're saying, like the opening with that crowd, like it's all like basically nonverbal. There's some whisperings of people are like they're whispering, oh, it's Daywalker, Daywalker, Blade. And like you can just how the crowd reacts to him. You know, he's a big deal. And like they're pretty scared of him, except that they try to attack him. But, you know, and it's like there's chaos going on in the club. People are running around. He's still messing people. Security kind of comes out. He's messing them up. Um he does. He seems like he's having fun hunting vampires, killing vampires. I love that too. It's like there's even a little more that in Blade Two, where he's like a little looser and a little more fun. But um, yeah. I love how he just seems like he's just this is sport for him. Like this is like, and he does all these little things that I love. Like in the club scene when Donald Logue walks out with a couple more guys, and he's like, "Get him, fuck him up," and then Blade takes a sword and like draws like a line on the ground, basically. Just I don't just <laughs> I guess basically cross the line, basically, and just messes those guys up too. I mean, there's just. Um, with Leslie Snipes playing Blade, there's so many little, like, non-verbal things that he does as a character that I love. Like, so many little moves. Because he's he's not a very talkative character. No. <laughs> like, um, but he... And, and it, this one's more in Blade 2. Del Toro, who directed Blade 2, talks about how Wesley Snipes so good at hitting, like, comic book uh, hero poses. Like, without even being told to. He instinctually just, like, hits these, like, moves and poses and little things that just are so cool. He does that in Blade 1, too, where he's just, like all these little nonverbal things he's doing that just like, yeah, <laughs> add to the character. He, he's a human action figure. Ex- and yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> and I used to think about him in the nineties, if they could ever get a live action GI Joe together during then, he would be a killer snake eyes. Like, cause you oh don't God, want him yeah. to talk a whole lot. In fact, the less Wesley talks in movies, probably the better. He's actually not that great at line delivery, uh, but, <laughs> but he's great at pose. He's great at action. He can tell through the physicality. And I was like, man, he would, he would have killed in that role. Like he would have been amazing in that. And, and I know it goes against the origin of snake eyes, but it'd been cool to have a black guy be snake eyes. Like that, that'd be kind of I sweet. Mean, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, why not? I mean, who cares at this point? And, <laughs> but I, but I love, I love that too. And I love that they never call any of that out. They just let this be. And that's, it's one of the cool things I always loved about Buffy was the diversity in the cast. And they never like made a thing about it. It was just a thing, you know, it just happened. And I feel right, like right. the nineties were the best time of movies when you could just have that character and you didn't have to like put a big neon sign over it the way you do today, you know? Right. And stuff and and in this he just he's just rolling through it and i love it that the he's also got to run from the cops though too because he's like well uh oh five oh gotta go and so he's he's gonna fool with that and the the police's answer to this is to take one of the vampires to the hospital that's hilarious to me i'm like (laughs) yeah well i mean good on that vamp for faking it out to that point but that's when you know the real story like cranks into overdrive here and he kills dr webb who's working with the hematologist karen jensen and and Boucher wright is a, a really fascinating actress for me and she's wound up in so many cool roles through her her years and I don't ever think she's gotten her like full due. You know, I really came on to her in the, the Brooks brothers uh, or Hughes brothers movie, rather dead presidents in 1995. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's a tremendous film. It's a very challenging film, but if you like the, most recent Michael Bay ambulance thing, I would definitely tell people go watch dead presidents. Cause it's the prequel to ambulance that you didn't know yeah. you had. And, uh, you know, just seen her in different things through the years, but I, I find her so captivating and fascinating in this role because she could play this so many different ways, Matt, and she doesn't play the damsel in distress. She also doesn't play the too cool for the room, female character, you know, stereotypical. She's very much in the middle and they ask her to do so much. She's got to carry the audience's POV into all of this world. And she's got to have this big arc where she's creating the super serum thing. 
And she's kind of this stand-in for Blade's mother uh, that we won't get until much later when Sanaa Latham rolls back into the movie. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, man, I really don't think I've seen her in much else. I haven't seen Dead Presidents in, like, a very long time. I caught it on TV, like... 15, 20 years ago when I was younger and like, uh, I liked it, but yeah, I can't, I can't think of much I've seen her in, but she's, she's talented. And I feel like she plays a character just very like determined. I don't think there's like a mm-hmm. lot of woe is me and be bitten, you know, bitten by a vampire. <laughs> and right. they do put kind of put her in damsel distress cause she gets kidnapped by frost at one point. But, uh, the whole time she just feels very determined. I feel like she's determined to make a cure for herself. She's determined to do all this stuff. And she, she gets her own little kind of scene with her ex co-worker and that that pit we had talked about and like uh yeah so she's very capable i feel like it's not like a a woman just screaming her head off damsel in distress like help me help me (laughs) it's like she's gonna try to help herself first and uh yeah she's strong in the role i like it oh yeah i mean i I think you have to have this kind of worldly human sidekick for your other world superhero in some ways you know you have right vicky vale for batman right you have lois lane for superman and those sometimes play love interest and stuff so you don't necessarily need that in this but you need somebody else in the real world besides right. whistler who yeah. <laughs> can be an ally right and i, I love that they set all that up and again that the for a movie that again is two hours long, they're they have a lot going on in this, and you really got three plots going. You got Blade and his whole situation. You've got the vampire arguments that we'll get back into in a second. Then you've got what Karen is doing alongside of Whistler, right? And I, I just think it's neat to balance that out. That's not an easy thing to do, and I give a lot of credit to the screenwriter Goyer and David Goyer is, is really, really, really good at adapting comic books. He was a comic book writer for one thing. So he understands the, the medium, but I mean, this is the guy that wrote all of your favorite dark Knight trilogy stuff from, from Christopher Nolan. Nolan gets a lot of credit for the direction as well. He should, but Goyer wrote those movies with Nolan's brother, like Dolan's brother writes the dialogue. (laughs) Goyer knows how to write the beats. And he's he's just really, really smart with the way he writes stuff. And it's very efficient while telling very dense story. And that's not an easy thing to do. And so when you when you introduce Karen here and Blade comes in to take her back to his safe house, the 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 part of the movie that always gives me a chuckle is anytime Chris Christopherson stumbles onto a set like this. And at this point, I'm like, did he even know what he was in? Like what kind of movie he was in? He's like, what the hell am I again? Okay. You know, it's it's like watching Walter Matthau do a Star Wars movie or something. You know, it's just like this is not who I would necessarily pick for this to be the quote watcher type person, because that's my point of reference for a lot of this kind of stuff. But I kind of go with it because Chris Christopherson Robertson, for people my age, like I remember him from his 70s and early 80s stuff when he was playing truckers and, you know, rednecks and all this stuff, the things he really is in life. And by the way, a lot of your favorite country and Western songs from the 70s and 80s, this cat wrote. Like, y'all don't realize that necessarily, but that's why he's famous. And then he got into acting because why not? And that's what he does. But he always sort of just plays himself. In some way, he's sort of like <laughs> Sam Elliott, but yeah. for more dime store. And I don't know. I, there's just something about him as Whistler that I don't ever quite completely allow myself to go like, that's not Chris Christopherson <laughs> doing these lines, <laughs> but he has a purpose. I it's funny because I think it's my probably my first introduction to Christmas officer was him as Whistler. So to me, he was just Whistler, like, which is, you know, it's like that just blank slate like, oh, and he seems so world weary, which is probably mm-hmm. just him. I do kind of like people who are like non-actors get into acting because I feel like there's a lot of rappers like this who like get into acting. They feel so genuine. I don't think they're they're trying to put any kind of front. They're just coming in and doing the job. And I feel like Chris Thompson comes in, just plays it like 
I'm, I'm doing this. I feel like <laughs> I, I believe him that he's been hunting vampires forever. He seems very tired of it. Uh, he's like, you know, has a, he tells uh, Karen his backstory about what happened to him. I, he has some great lines, too. But uh, I was going to mm-hmm. say back to Karen real quick that I forget, she, she's kind of the audience surrogate, really. She's mm-hmm. like the reason we're getting all things explained to us. Like Blade tells her all the rules of vampires and the whole power structure and what they've been doing. Like she's she gets all the information so we get all the information which exactly. i don't think feels ham-fisted because I, I, I find it so interesting but um when they go over the rules and everything and i'm just like well this is fascinating so tell me more but uh i mean i love whistler and i, I guess they they love whistler because they messed up because they kill him off air quotes in blade one and they have to do some serious um <laughs> you know retcon, uh, retcon to get him yeah. back in two because... yeah when i saw his name in the credits for blade two i was like oh man don't do that you know like that <laughs> it, it cheapens the death here because that's what you have to do though with this and and it's something that the batman movies toy with and never completely go with is you got to take away the chief ally of the hero at some point right like you've got to got to get him where he's he can't rely on someone else anymore he's got to go with what he knows but I, I do like Christopherson sort of exhausted. I'm done with this garbage. I'm too old for this shit kind of performance here. Um, but I mean, it's fun because it works. I mean, again, it, it, I never fall out of it and not realize it's him, you know, or whatever. But he does introduce that thing. And I love that they they build weapons around the the primary weaknesses of vampires. And we talked about how we both didn't know silver was one, but I love how they fashion those things together. I'm always into like the tech of a movie and stuff like that. (laughs) I think, I think it's just the more, you know, goofy you can get with that. And the more you bother to explain it to me, the more I'm going to dig it. Cause it looks like something you would try to make on your own or kind of play with as a kid. It's just, it's cool to, to see them fashioning this stuff because that's the fun part of like any kind of action video game is the arming up part. Or when you get to like, you know, build out your weapons and stuff like that. And I, I feel like that this, this is the part of the video game where we're upgrading our skills and we're getting more cool stuff to play <laughs> with, you know, and that, that's, uh-huh. that's the fun part of, of this. And the fact that they've been waging this war because they both have a, Definitely a bend against vampires. Whistler's family got wiped out by him, obviously. Blade feels like he lost his mother to one. We'll find it later. That's not the case. But he's cursed with this burden of being a half vampire and he, but he won't give himself over to his evil, but he'll use the evil to like channel all of his rage through <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's, I mean, again, it reminds me of the, the vampires on Buffy, like, angel and later spike and some of these others that would sort of use their powers for good and stuff like that and they, they had different motivations obviously but it's it's neat to see that they they give all that story without spending enormous amounts of time and getting away from the action because the thing is they yeah. don't want to get us away from the action and, and and that's when they cut us to this council of pure blood vampires and i mean i gotta tell you steven dorf is not a great actor but he is so much <laughs> fun when he's playing like this smarmy smart ass you know just i'm way cooler than all of you watch me be cool and tell you how fucking old all of you are and you need to get out of the way you know he he's good at being like a real obnoxious prick i feel yes, like yes it's like you want to punch him in the face and like uh I, yeah he he he's plays that really well he does come off as like a real uh i guess at the time he'd be like a gen x type person who's like yep you know damn the man like you said earlier <laughs> like yes no that's why i'm relating to him like yes this right. is me I, yeah i feel yeah <laughs> if only he didn't want to kill all the humans too but otherwise i'd be on board <laughs> i mean like, you I know <laughs> everybody's got their flaws matt it's <laughs> I, I think he's a very charismatic bad guy in this like yes. um 
he's an interesting actor. I was watching something about Blade before we did this, where someone was saying he didn't like doing mainstream stuff mm-hmm. and like he didn't like superhero stuff, and he just somehow. I think the director convinced him to get in, get into this movie. It's um, called Zeros on the end of the right, check, right, too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he, he he does a good job. I feel like he's into it. Um, and it's funny because, uh, sorry, I reference Blade Two again, but it's I know in Blade Two they mentioned like we felt like Stephen Dorff was more of a he wasn't quite a physical threat for Blade till the very very end of the movie, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the word like he'd be more like the money guy and he had like a tough uh, you know bad guy or like a bodyguard type guy he's like the the final bad guy he's not really a physical challenge but he's the one setting all the chess pieces on the board but like they do talk about they it was a conscious decision like getting a more physical adversary for blade because they really have to like power steven dorf up to fight blade because otherwise you're like why couldn't he just murder this guy in two seconds right well, and and to be fair when he does fight him even as lamager he does kick his ass pretty fast like it's because right. it, he's also got like the super weapon to do it with we'll, we'll get to but i actually like that though to have this more cerebral villain you right, know yeah, where he's not going to get in a fist fight with you he's going to orchestrate so it's joker from oh, right, the Batman right. stuff. I mean, that's really what it is, because Joker's not a physical threat to Batman in any way, but he can orchestrate all manner of hell you know, for, for Batman <laughs> exactly, to go through. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes him formidable. And I, I kind of appreciate that about this. But I love that, again, that he's got this whole faction of younger vampires that he's he's constantly playing with this ring. And he just, again, he just looks so 90s and everything. <laughs> Very 90s, yes. and, and cool, but he looks at this this group of people and what you realize is that frost and his kind are the ones that are actually the put upon in the vampire lord they're not the strong group they're looked on as again like you're the startup money you're the dot-com yeah. <laughs> money you're not the real wall street money so go away you know and even the, and that's why you get somebody like udo kier who could just be this euro trash you know super rich kind of dude over who's there. played a vampire in a couple movies before i know right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is it is on the nose stunt casting but whatever because it works because then works, you've got yeah. <laughs> you've got Frost, you've got his comic sidekick, Logue, who's Donald Logue is just fun in everything oh, he really ever does. <laughs> yeah, he and again, another actor who doesn't always show up in the best movies, but never gives a bad performance. It's always fun because <laughs> I think he knows what he's in. And I, I just I love the whole piece of, of how this comes together and really how they Frost's whole thing is like, I'm gonna have to raise this unbelievable force to be able to overthrow the you know, the, the vampires in power. And it gives him a journey to go through too. Cause usually the bad guys in these kind of comic book movies, like their whole plan is it ranges from like a land grab, like Lex Luthor or just chaos or, you know, you don't really know. Like, no, he's actually like trying to get somewhere. He's, he's doing a political coup, you know, right. and then Blaze just kind of in the way. And that's, that's part of the problem that he has to deal with. So I, I love that again, they, they really have their own developed story. So, if they were to have ever taken this story and stretched it into a television series, it wasn't what they did with the, with the TV show, but I'm like, man, this would be a hell of a season. Cause you could have several episodes of just frost and these, you know, these elder vampires going at each other and stuff. Yeah. And kind of blade figuring out what is going on and maybe the end goal of the Lamagra thing. You could really build up to it uh, mm-hmm. over maybe a, six ten episode series i feel like yeah that, mm-hmm. that's a good point yeah I, it's funny it's two hours i i tell you i told him like two hours it's a really brisk two hours very very brisk Eyes yeah by. yeah <laughs> but like we talked about blade has to have a human counterpart you know whatever vampires have them too they call them familiars in this familiars, which is a, yeah yeah interesting concept yeah the, yeah but but it makes sense right that like right. vampires leading an uprising who do you pay off 
you pay off the press and the cops. Right. So of course it's going to be a cop, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, I buy it, you know? And that's when Karen gets a tap by him, but that's when they, they come across the, the vampire Bible as it were. And they come across this grotesque oh, vampire Pearl. And that Pearl, to me yeah. is, and the way blade tortures Pearl with the UV lights. I'm like, man, this, I mean, it makes me squirm to this day, right? Like to get <laughs> yeah, what they want to, cause it, it feels like I'm watching the old David Lynch dude, you know, like just some oh, of the, uh, gro- <laughs> some of the grotesque stuff in that. It's just like, Oh, this is getting real. I mean, Cronenberg is here, which is not bad, but it wasn't what I expected in this movie. Yeah. It's like the weirdest touch in the whole movie that vampire it's like what is this vampire's deal why is it like this and and i love how it's like the most i i think it may be the most sadistic blade gets because he's just sort of torturing this thing and he didn't just oh she kills it. i forgot yeah she but they yeah. you know after they just kind of torture this poor i gotta feel bad for it because it's like trapped yeah. in a basement it seems like and can't go anywhere but you know he he's out to kill all vampires so um he hates them all so don't care if he's stuck in a basement that's yeah i remember seeing that like that's a really weird but i appreciate the weird unique touch because it's like out of mm-hmm. the box like it's just a very strange idea <laughs> it is it, but it gives blade an edge as a hero as sort of in this anti-hero thing. And they, they play with this in other formats too. I always thought like the Jack Bauer character in the early seasons of 24 was very much on this. He would just shoot you in the knee and then question you. Like that was oh, yeah. Ke- Kiefer's whole like super intensity. And Stephen Dorff in a lot of ways is kind of a dime store Kiefer Sutherland. If you, if you look at him in a certain way, he just chooses to do other that. stuff <laughs> where Kiefer tries to do more mainstream stuff. But when he's not riding horses or playing in his band or whatever, but it's the same thing of like, you don't want your good guy to torture somebody. <laughs> but you kind of get why maybe he yeah. would because it, what, you, what it reinforces to me as an audience member is that yeah blade is on our side right he's he's fighting for us he's, he's really fighting to keep the vampires from killing all of us but he's also not exactly like the nicest person it's it goes back to a western trope like the gunfighter was usually the gun for hire right, and right. they were just you know, because you paid them, they were your good guy, but they weren't really good people, you know, and that, yeah, and yeah. I, I sort of, but I appreciated that, you know, and I, there's, you know, that old line, like hi- history is told by the winners of the fight. <laughs> the reason we know the old K corral the way we do is because the herbs won the fight. Right. Like, otherwise that'd be a very different story. Like, you know, you can see yes. it. So, so it's, it's neat to see that here and to see this guy you going through this and, and watching him torture is probably some of snipes best acting too when he's really just you gonna tell me you know or said he's just blowing that light on on poor pearl and all that but the, what did you make of the the plan to raise up the blood god la magra i was like is this like a real thing i didn't bother to look it up but i was like well, that, that it'd be <laughs> hilarious that this is what we have to do we have to be infused by some other great power to take over the powers that be I mean, I didn't know. I, I don't know if it was a real thing or anything. I mean, I was, I was tense. I was on board completely. I was like, sure, Blood God, the Magra, great, let's do it. Like, yeah. I was very curious. They're talking about the whole movie, what it was going to end up being, like how they were going to show it and how it was going to turn out. Um, so that was kind of the, I think the curiosity was like, well, what's this Blood God going to be? Because they're really hyping it up and like, uh, I don't, I jump ahead. I guess kind of the ending, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever watched the original footage that they shot what they thought Lamaga was going to look like have you Mm-mm. seen that no oh, no God. go go fire up your blu-ray or dvd i think it's still on the blu-ray i know it was on the dvd um of the original like test cgi footage of what they were gonna do with Lamagra. it's horrifically bad it is Ooh. i know they didn't finish it i know they didn't finish it it was like unfinished cgi footage but the idea was basically like Lamagra was like a blood tornado spinning around in that area and steven dorf's face like 
pops out of it and it's and blade just staring at this giant blood red cgi swirling (laughs) i'm sitting here in a google image search as you're saying this going oh that that would have been a horrendous choice it would have been the worst like it would have probably killed the franchise like it's i mean i know they said it wasn't done but i can't imagine if they finished it how much better would have looked because i think the idea still was like steven door's face popping out of a blood red tornado (laughs) and it's like like, that is not yeah. yeah. So thank God they kind of went with like still Stephen Dorff, but he's like a powered up Stephen Dorff, you know, and then right. um, even that CGI is a little dicey. I, I forgive it, but because um, there's like demons that pop out of the vampires yeah. and then there's his well, blood he, is kind of bubbly. <laughs> yeah. You know, even so, they still do the tornado around Dorff when he's getting infected or, you know, in, infused or whatever you want to say right, with the right. So They did keep some of that, but that would have been. That would have been bad. I did that. Didn't, wouldn't even look good now. Like you couldn't no, render that. Like no. the fact that Lamagra is just a big walking blood clot. Like no, that's not. That's not okay. Like, it's yeah, not, it's not. It's not great no. visually. Like it's just. Not, it doesn't work. And I'm glad they went against it. Yeah, because uh, now I'm just fine with like yeah, it's Steven Dorf like powered up by Lamagra or whatever. And then and then how he kills him is like genius too i love that. oh yeah, like yeah. I, I love that i mean and the, the line helps about some motherfuckers all trying to ice skate up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we'll, we'll get into that I, I love how we we get back to the hideout then we have to see what blade does to keep himself in check like he has to constantly inject right. himself with this yeah, yeah. drug but it's losing its effectiveness <clears throat> and it's it's like anything like the you know the more you do something the less effect it's really going to have on you whatever whatever it might be like if you drink too much caffeine like at some point like it just doesn't have any effect on you right and so th- this for for blade you see this struggle for him that he's he's trying to you know keep it together he's, he's not gonna he don't want to overuse it you know but he knows at some point he's going to lose that fight if something doesn't change. And it, it gives you a little bit of a, I don't know, more sympathy for a guy that again, we just saw him torture something, you know, even though it is an evil being, it's like, it's not how we really want him to operate. Right. But then you see like, Oh man, this guy is like, he's in pain constantly. Yeah. And that, that gives him a more human element than he's just not some super, you know, super vampire creature thing. Yeah. I would say it like, I would say it humanized him a little bit and kind mm-hmm. of, because it's otherwise it's like, well, what is this guy's weakness? But he's got, he's battling this addiction, which he does not want to give over to because he does not mm-hmm. want to, you know, be like the vampires. And it is an interesting wrinkle that they throw in there. And yeah, that it's losing effectiveness and, um, what's he going to do basically? And how's he going to keep fighting that? And, uh, um, yeah, that was an interesting idea because it's funny because they say all of their strengths, none of their weaknesses. It's like, well, one little bit of their weaknesses, you know, the, yeah. the thirst. But, um, but yeah, I find that idea very interesting how they add that wrinkle to it because you need something, I feel like, to kind of humanize him a little bit more. Exactly. So, yeah. What did you make of Karen's whole experimentation sequence and stuff. She's, she's been working on an anticoagulant anyway, but she realizes what she's been working on when it reacts with vampire blood, boom, you know, like it's kind of a problem. It's almost a little convenient, but in some way I, I give the movie that because I'm like, well, she's got to have some other purpose besides just being the avatar for the audience and also being the thing in distress at some point or, you know, blades, mother figure, whatever you want to call her. Like the, I, I actually like the fact that they give her like an active role in all of this, because at this point, you know, Whistler's about to exit the movie stage left. And right. so we got to have something, you know, for, to help blade out. And I don't know, I, I dug it. I thought it was actually a smart way to let's infuse enough science that people could believe this bullshit, but <laughs> that it's not like too over explained. So we don't have to get too lost in the weeds. 
Right, right. I feel like if you're experimenting with stuff and trying to come up with something, you might come up with something else by accident. That's happened many times in history. Oh, of course, like, oh, right? I came up with this thing. And I love how they do yeah, they work some real medical science in there. And it's like, I'm, you know, I'm like, sure, that sounds right to me. I don't know much about about medicine or science, but yeah. Um, it sounds good. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. anticoagulant. Yeah. And it's like she stumbles upon this and it works. It's very, very useful as we see in the, by the end of the movie. <laughs> but I thought that was very cool. Cause then, and then when they show it in use, I'm like, well, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that she's, she's able to synthesize this in a way that it, she's actually able to cure her own you know, bite or right. anybody else's bites. Like she can cure people with this thing and she, it doesn't work on blade at first, but she thinks she can get it right. She's just going to have to just keep working at it or whatever, but it gives him this glimmer of hope. Like there's a reason to keep her alive at that point. Right. right? Besides just, he's, you know, fighting for good, but like, otherwise who is she to him? You know, at this point, like it gives him like an actual reason to, to do that. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I dug it. Uh, I, I thought it was, it was a good, character moment and a, and a good plot contrivance when frost gang attacks that hideout though i mean i i love it though i, I love that moment in, in a movie like this where the bad guys get the drop on the good guys mm-hmm, and they yeah. just it all goes to hell like you know i'm like well yeah everybody about to die like i i really thought they just kill everybody like the fact that they keep caring is obviously just bait you know but i love that right. they the way they kill whistler though is exactly the way you would kill a dude like that like not just going to kill you. I'm going to make you one of us. Like that is the most torturous thing you can do to somebody like him. Yeah, they I mean, it's like more implied what happens, but it seems horrific what happened to him. And like they tortured him. And uh, yeah, just I know that it's weird. I These like beats in an action movie, usually action movies I love where it's like the hero is kicking ass for most of the movie. And there's always that point where like something kind of bad happens. Like they find his hideout or they capture somebody has to go to them. And it has, this is all the beats I love where it's like, they find the hideout. Um, they, they mess up his, they take one of his crew, they kill one of his crew and, or well, you know, basically leave him for dead. And then blade has to basically regroup and go attack them. (laughs) Like, I love, it feels like they're invading, like, you know, like, Oh no, it's like, this is our safe area. This is our safe space. How'd they find it? (laughs) You know, it's like a Mm -hmm. shock. It's like a real shock when they show up. And, uh, I do love how, uh, he delivers that line too when he comes in. It's like nice place to explore. I'll fucking find it or something that hits him. Like it's like the way that Stephen North delivers a line is good. He's a mm-hmm. lot of good line deliveries in this, but yeah, that one is uh is pretty good. And you're like, oh shit, what are they gonna do now? Because it's it, their blade's not there. So you know, it's like mm-hmm. them versus I don't know a handful of vampires. And this is also a movie that lives in the post scream world. And now snappy dialogue is just a part of everyone's life. Like, this is what we're going Mm. to do. Goyer knows how to write this kind of stuff, too. I wouldn't be surprised they didn't bring in people that worked on shows like Buffy and stuff like that to punch up the dialogue. They did that all the time. Joss Whedon was a script doctor for years. So for all I know, he did a few lines of this for for what we could tell or some of his people did. But. I love that all that gets in Dorf because you have to have the charismatic guy do that. That's one, that's one thing Dorf has. You know, Maybe as an actor, he's not that great a performer, or at least we don't see him give great performances and the stuff he does, but he's, he's got charisma for days. And so the fact that he can he just ooze this stuff out and you just buy every bit of it, it makes it fun. And then you give the, the comic parts to Donald Logue, who's going to always drop the punchline. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's perfect. And, and no, I, I love this, though, the way they take everybody out. It all goes bad. And so, of course, 
Blade now is is ready. Like, okay, I'm I'm on, but he's got to help Whistler die first. And right. man, that was oh that that hurt. I was like, man, do we have to kill the old dude? I mean, I know we do, but I kind of hate that Obi Wan's got to go like this. Like, this sucks. <laughs> it's a tough scene, and it's like basically killing off his surrogate father. You know, mm-hmm. beyond like the guy that makes his weapons and all this stuff. It's like this is basically him. You know, and I love how Whistler, Shooter's character, is still like basically more pushing it than blade is he's like come on just like you know he's like fuck out of here basically mm-hmm. <laughs> like um because that's that's whistler so far it's like he's a tough he's a tough guy so yeah he's just like you know i'll, I'll do it and uh you hear the gunshot and then they do it off camera so they can retcon it for two <laughs> it's like it's right just, it's like we didn't show it so we can get away with it. but yeah i mean it's a tough scene i remember i was really upset i was like oh no i like that guy it's like he's I gone know. already I know, right? Oh. So, but it does get us to the end, which is what we want. And this is the big reveal. Of course, you know, Blade is going to come in to the penthouse and he's going to just start, you know, doing what he did in the in the rave at the beginning. Except, twist, here's your mother. And I'm like, well, now that I did not see coming. I got to say, I did not see Sanaa Lathan walking into this movie, but I'm always glad to see her. I love her as a presence. And I, I was like, well, now that is a twist I did not anticipate, uh, Frost. That good move. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I was like, "What?" And even I, as a a kid, found that stuff kind of weird. Between Blade and his mom, it's like uh, there's some more stuff that almost feels like it feels almost romantic. <laughs> Very Edipal. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. you got like all kinds of weird stuff because Frost is technically like his vampire father too. I'm like, there's some vampire weird... stepdad he doesn't yeah. like. It's weird. I know. Like, <laughs> like the dynamic is weird. Was, I was like, how? What? I was just really. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very uh, interesting uh, twist. I did not see coming at all. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it that blew me away. I was like, "What? How?" What? I had so many questions, but yeah, it's, it's very I know. But it's it is the great way to to make Blade like stop in his tracks, right? Right. right. So, because so they've got to have his blood, you know. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to do the ritual. They know that now. So that's how you. I mean, the guy has again blown through your enemies. Like they're not there. So how do you? you disarm them. You, you got to mentally disarm him in a lot of ways. Right, right. <laughs> and so that's how they're able to do it. And they get the blood that oh, they throw Karen in her own pit, like to be devoured by her mentor, the, the, the decomposing zombie, whatever the hell that I didn't understand. Like his whole thing. I'm like, I thought you turned into a vampire. Like, how did, how did that happen? They did not explain that at all. I was like, what? Huh? Like, how did, how did... Like, yeah, there was like an explanation for that. I maybe in the commentary somewhere where they said like, he's like a bottom feeder type vampire where it's like, he's living like a, like a, rat or something in that tunnel where they feed him scrap so he's like really unhealthy i guess is the way to put it like so he looks Maybe. terrible and it's a i mean they there's a lot of i guess you could say inconsistencies with vampires sometimes people blow up this way sometimes they blow up immediately sometimes they they turn really quick and they don't turn really quickly there's a lot of different like stuff with the vampire rules that doesn't fully probably check out but you know it's like oh well it's a it's a fast-paced movie. We, you know, it's, I don't have to question anything. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like they've turned him into like a Renfield type character a little yeah, bit from, from old Dracula <laughs> a little bit. And, and I'm okay with that. I, mean, I, I yeah. could buy that. But it, it, I, I actually, you know, all the, the inconsistencies with the vampires and stuff, I just took that as watching it this time as like just the variances in the different versions of, of vampires that exist. And this is what oh, the elders yeah. were talking about is that there's no consistency among any of you, which is what the old people said to my generation is oh, what yeah. old people always say to the younger generation. It's like, you're never consistent about anything, you know, whatever. And I mean, that that's a, like a theme. And so watching it this time, a lot older than I was, you know, the last time I saw it or even the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, I get it. I'm like, it's a little ham-fisted of a metaphor, but 
sure. Like, I, I get it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I see what we're trying to say here. This is exactly what Udo Kier said was going to happen. Is all this impulsivity is going to cost all of you. And yep. sure enough, <laughs> it does. But, you know, they, I, I love how, though, you know, Karen's able to, to take up her own agency. She gets away. Right. But Blade is like going down for the count. And this is a trope that they repeated on Buffy in season three, where there's a point when, spoiler alert for a 27-year-old television show, <laughs> Angel's got to, like, is losing it, and Buffy says, no, feed on me, and then, like, you, you can power back up, and he does, and that's that's what, you know, rescues him. And I love how she's like, no, I'll take the, the chance because I know I can cure myself. Go right. ahead. And, it, I mean, that just jacks him all the way up. And then you get Wesley Snipes in, again, full rave mode again, where he just again, starts <laughs> blowing through these enemies like they're not even there oh i love it i i it's a it's a very specific thing i love in like action movies where like the hero's kind of been down for the count either he's been tortured he's been captured but there's usually that last beat where he powers back up through some way or gets out basically and just goes on a tear it's like they put that last obstacle in front of him and i love how blade does that here where it's like he's all weak but then he drinks the blood he powers back up and then he's back to like full kick-ass shape and like just wrecks people yeah <laughs> i mean it's pretty much hulk hogan's whole career i mean that's <laughs> that that is the hulk match is to oh. to get a few licks in to take a beating to look like you're going down then to hulk up a few punches a boot and a leg drop and we're out i mean that's that that's hulk and and i mean you know it that worked i mean it worked huge I, we haven't seen another one do it that well since they've copied it ever since and he right, was copying then. somebody else too but i mean nobody did it like that and played and hulk up moment yeah like, yeah, exactly. It, it is the Hulk up moment. I mean, Rocky steals it, you know, and, and does oh, it yeah. in the Rocky movies. And Stallone has even copped to that, that he borrowed that from wrestling, you know. And so that's why he had Hogan in a movie eventually, because he was such oh. a fan. But I mean, I, I love that, though, that that he he's able to recover and he gets back in it. But Frost still completes the ritual. So it's going right. to be OK. We got to go through this. But I, I think one thing that got me here is the way he, he kills all these vampires. He even kills his own mother during this. But they don't linger on that. I, I kind of wanted them to hold on that a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of took it as like. I don't know that she's not really herself anymore. Like to blade, well, yeah. if you're a vampire, you're dead to him. He doesn't care if you're his yeah. mom or whatever. That's like, that's how hardcore he is. If you were his own mom and now you're a vampire, he's like, you know what? Whatever. You're not, <laughs> I'm going to get you now. Yeah. I you're mean... dead to me now. Yeah. Um, that's how serious he is about it. So yeah, that whole little thing is still weird, but I totally accept it. I'm like, sure. Okay. It's like, <laughs> and then, yeah. Then him just, um, going nuts after that. Yeah, exactly. Your vampire, your blade's enemy, basically. Yeah. And we, we've teased it and talked about it. If with the, when he kicks all those, or injects Frost with all those syringes, first off, they, they do get a pretty good fight for a physical mismatch. Like, they, they right. do a pretty good choreographed fight here. But when he starts flinging those syringes into, into Frost, and then he karate kicks, roundhouses that other one into his forehead after that great line. I'm like, well, of course, that's exactly how this should end. <laughs> now, it looks like garbage, <laughs> the CGI yeah. blood explosion. <laughs> but that's exactly what I knew was going to happen. And I needed that to happen. I needed him to turn into a balloon and pop in front of us because yeah. and like get all over the walls and shit, because that's that's what this movie deserves at this point. Because it's <laughs> I mean, we have earned that as an audience. And I think Blade had earned that kill as a, a fighter. And again, I just I just equate it to we finally got to the big boss in the video game and this is what happens at the end of it when you finally do the fatality 
Right, right. It does look like a Mortal Kombat fatality. <laughs> like, going to, like, a blood bubble and then just bursting. But um, this is the part where I wish our friend Mike Scott was here, because I'm sure he could tell us who the oh. fight coordinator was and all. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I'm no expert. I am, like, there's a lot of people I follow on Twitter who are, like, action movie experts. They can tell you how the, the cuts and who the stunt guys were. But I feel like this, the last fight, when he's fighting all, like, the bad guys before he even gets Steven Dorff, is such a good, like, bunch of like fight scenes so well put together i think it shot really well i feel like the thing we was he snipes is, is so good with the physicality because he's a legit karate uh expert i think i think there's like hikido was another one mm-hmm. uh he's a real and like a black belt like he's like serious about this and you can tell and i know they he rarely used a stunt double um and that goes a long way when you're yeah. watching the actor like actually do the stuff like yeah it's not um, close-ups of the face and then zooming back to the stunt guy doing it it's yeah. actually watching wesley do the stuff no I, I agree with you that it makes it as cool as watching somebody like scott atkins or somebody else that you know is actually doing the stuff it's what makes the movie backgraph so awesome because you realize kurt russell and scott glenn are actually doing the firefighter shit in that movie and oh, yeah, it's yeah. And, and, and billy baldwin too and i'm like well you know I, like i give him credit for that stuff like those guys talked about how hard that was <laughs> you know yeah yeah exactly and i i love when i see the actors like do the stuff i mean if they already can just naturally if they're great martial artists and they do it on film it's like i really care about that kind of stuff and that's i mean that's what i mean not to get too much into it but they're rebooting blade with mahershal ali who is a wonderful actor two-time academy award-winning actor the yeah. only thing i worry about is i don't know his like fight background and like me to either. me wesley snipes's blade is like irreplaceable like i'm excited for mahershal ali's blade because mm-hmm. i'm what they do with it but this is one of those few roles where I cannot imagine anybody else playing the part. It's really tough for me. And it's mostly Wesley Snipes like physicality that he brings to the role because the way he moves, the way he fights, like um, that just seems really, really hard to replicate. Honestly, like, it, I it, it would be. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I, maybe they're going with like an, a, you know, an older, more like wiser blade or something. I don't, I'm curious that because I didn't know he was going to be the cast in the reboot, but that sounds amazing. So yeah, yeah, I could have yeah. told you, like, get somebody like Daniel Kalusha or something like that. But he even he's kind of aging out of that type part of his career now and stuff. So um, an, an incredible actor, by the way. But uh, and maybe it, if Chadwick Boseman was still with us, it, he could probably kill in this. I mean, he oh, would be pretty, yeah. pretty impressive. He may not do it. It may, it may not be what he would want to do, but he, I don't know, he might have. I mean, he got, he played a damn linebacker one year in a, in a NFL movie, which, which I love, I love draft day. Un, un, oh, I love ironic. draft day too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's my pre April watch, like right before the actual NFL draft. And I don't care how dumb it is. It's fun. So I, yeah, I, I love that stuff. I've but, watched yeah. it on the first day of the NFL draft before. So I'm corny too. I'm like, exactly. I did. I, yes. It's a very watchable movie. It is insane. Yes watchable it's so much fun um very yeah, i mean i think yeah. the mcu rule would be like if chadwick bose was still alive well you're black panther you can't be blade two you can't play two yeah. roles in the mcu but um I, that's i just think yeah again like i think the whole thing works because wesley snipes is blade i don't yeah. know if we'd be talking this movie if it was like i think the original plan was the early 90s to LL Cool J. <laughs> cool J is cool, but it's but like... he's kind of kind of a little too jacked to be he's playing. Too jack, yeah. Like, yeah, and I don't know how how good he can move. Like he's right, right. He could have, he could snap yeah. the lines off, but yeah. you know, I mean, he's an action guy. I mean, in the action movies, he's done like. I, I particularly think about like in SWAT, like he's actually running the dude down and like knocking him over. And he did a lot of stuff on any given Sunday. He's a, he's a physical guy, but. He's, not a martial artist like so. too happy to be blade <laughs> a little bit yeah you know, the funny thing is wesley snipes can do comedy so well like white man can't jump um mm-hmm. he's so over the top and funny in like demolition man 
Which, oh, like, yes. Yeah, you go listen to the archives of that in film strip, folks. Yeah, Brian and I had a good time movie. with him as, as Simon Phoenix. Yeah. So. Him, him is like that character is like night and day to Blade because he's so mm-hmm. fast mouth talking as uh, mm-hmm. Simon Phoenix and is so much more showy. And this, he's so stoic and. Um, the brooding know, I, and all of it. Yeah. yeah brooding. So. But I, I like most of his line difference because they're just so like, even the way he says Whistler is great to me. He's like Whistler. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> again, it's Richard Roundtree. It's cool. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's infinitely cool, cool to watch him do this. And so we, we wrap at our ending though, where he, he refuses the serum. He's like, no, I just want you to get a better version for me. I don't want you to cure me. I just need you to keep powering me up. So I don't want to eat people or whatever, <laughs> but I got to go out here and kill people. And then, you know, we get the little epilogue where he's in Moscow or whatever. I'm like, well, okay, blade in the snow. Like, of course, blood in the snow is always like a great effect so let's let's do that you know that that should have been next and uh but no i it's a satisfying into to a um again what's been a really fast-paced movie and uh sort of amazing how quickly it goes by yeah every time i see two-hour runtime i'm like no way it's like an hour 40 hour 45 right no it's like i don't i and it helps when you see the movie like 20 30 times because they start going by faster and faster too i feel like so maybe i'm the wrong person to judge but to me it like feels like it flies by and like an hour or something. It's, Absolutely. It's I, I feel the same way about you, about some your other movies that I really like that are in the same genre. They just fly by. So, but this podcast is flown by too, man. It's time to give final thoughts, recommendations and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for blade? And those, for those who are new to the show and Matt, since you're new to us, the bigger, the popcorn, the better the movie and feel free to modify it any way you want. <laughs> um, I, final thoughts, I guess I would just say, uh, I still love this movie. It holds up amazingly. I, there's a lot of movies when I was a kid that don't hold up. Blade is not one of those. Uh, I know, I think, I think it still holds up with people. I don't know. Like, I'd be curious. Somebody who's never seen it. Who's like a teenager, like early twenties, never saw it. If it's still, if it's still cool. I hope it's still cool. Um, because late nineties, it was like 10 out of 10. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, I love, yeah, this one, Blade 2. I'm with you. Blade Trinity can go just into the sun as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. um, the Blade 1 and 2 are great. This one is amazing. Wesley Snipes is the best. Uh, <laughs> I just cannot fathom uh, anyone else's Blade. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely watch it if you've not seen it. <laughs> so, um, and can I, I, the largest tub of popcorn I could give it. Like That'd be the extra large. So, extra, yeah. like, collector's tin with like Blade face on it. Like a super <laughs> special extra large size of popcorn because... I love this movie so much. <laughs> that that is awesome. I look. I, I agree with a lot of your thoughts. This movie is incredibly watchable, and it's fun to go back to something that's you know so many years beyond its its time, and still be able to find so much fun in it. And that's the thing is this movie doesn't take itself too seriously. And I fear like anything they do now is going to be way overwrought. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Like just, just keep this keep this fun. This should be fun, and it's incredibly fun. Snipes is awesome in it. He kills in it, pun intended. Uh, and Steven Dorff is just so much fun as this bad guy. Like he, Frost is such a cool character, and you almost hate that they they blew him up like a balloon at the end because he would have been good <laughs> to come back as as again like vampire kingpin like we talked about. But you know we got to move on to other things. But but everybody else in this is a lot of fun too. They're clearly having a good time, and like you say infinitely watchable i'm gonna give it a big large popcorn i think it's a lot of fun and if you haven't seen it by george yeah please go seek it out and watch it but if it's been a while definitely worth a revisit and uh if you want to do something different during your october scary movie time or whatever this is a good one to kind of break up the monotony of your your slasherdom or you know zombies whatever you're into watching this time of year that's why we're kicking off october with it matt once again thank you for coming on the show tell folks how they can follow you and film feast 
Okay, so yeah, thank you again for having me, by the way. This was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, if you want to follow Film Feast, uh, we have great guests like Jay, Carmelita, Mar- Valdez McCoy, and Mike Scott. People have been on Filmstrip and lots of other great people I've had on. But uh, the podcast, usually new episodes drop uh, every Monday. Uh, you can find it. I think basically anywhere you get podcasts, I think we're like basically everywhere now. I think we all bases covered. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Film Feast podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at uh, Film Feast Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at MattBlood87. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast, all one word. Um, and yeah, that's our stuff. And like I said, we're usually posting every week. So I take some breaks here and there just to, you know, just for my own mental health. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, I try to get an episode out every once a week. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strong recommend on the podcast as well. And again, Matt, thanks for coming and being a part of this. You can find all the links to that in the show description. Folks, you can follow this show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There you're going to find announcements about upcoming shows, cool things we've got going on. You'll find a link to our letterbox page, which contains our entire list of reviews. Go to filmstrippodcast.com. That'll take you to our anchor distribution site. We're everywhere Apple, Spotify, Google, all the places. Uh, share the show if you can. If you can leave us a positive review, it always helps other people find the podcast. We appreciate this support for Matt Bledsoe I'm Jay thank you for listening to Filmstrip thank you for listening to Filmstrip you can find more episodes on our website filmstrippodcast.com the Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121 all content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.